Scofflaws is a show about the history of crime, criminals, and the investigation thereof. There may be discussion of adult themes and generally icky stuff. Also, neither host is a legal professional, and this show does not contain any legal advice. Remember, crime doesn't pay. Unless you're really good at it. Hello, and welcome to The Scoff Laws, a history of law and disorder. My name is Sean, and joining me once again is my lovely co-host, Kate. Say hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. So, Kate, how was, uh, how was your trip that uh, we had to fill the gap on quite quickly? <laughs> well, it was, it was good. I got to spend time with my mom and my dogs and my brother, which was really nice. Um, and, you know, it's weird not doing this every week anymore. <laughs> taking a week off I don't know that was I don't know if I'll ever do that again <laughs> yeah I can't really hold it against you because quite honestly I would expect myself to do the same thing of okay so so listeners here's here's basically what happened we were discussing the topic like Sunday afternoon after we finished up at fair and Kate went to go change and I went to go change and after I had finished changing Kate ran up to me and was like oh oh I forgot, I don't have my laptop tomorrow. Yeah, because I left it in Chicago, and my mom lives in Wisconsin. And again, I can't blame you, because I would probably do the same thing to you if the situation was reversed. <laughs> so we turned and asked somebody to help us. <laughs> yep, like literally as soon as I got to my car, I was like on Facebook Messenger texting one of our friends like, Hey, can you fill in short notice? And and she did a very good job. I am very pleased with the uh, the outcome. As you all can tell, she knows a thing or two. Yep. Did you behave yourself while I was gone? Oh, I, as best I can. I almost became Percy there for a second. <laughs> oh. Uh, if uh. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So what's uh what's on the docket for today? We're going to be doing a very 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 brief overview on the history of gambling and touching on some of the legalities on it. Gotcha. Cool, cool. That was a lot of varies. Um, it is basically a timeline. We're not going into super detail about the specific games. I also never stepped foot into a casino before, so I only know what like two of these things that I'm going to mention are. Well, right on. Well, let's, uh, let's get into talking about gambling. So, uh, gambling was, is assumed by historians and everyone to have been around for as long as humans have been around. Um, but the first actual, like, physical evidence exists, um, from China, ancient China. The year is around 2300 BCE. Okay, so that is about as old as writing, I would assume. Um... I don't have a definite timeline on writing, but I think it may be around the same. Yeah. Uh, they used uh, pieces of wood, and it's mentioned in some of the Chinese Book of Psalms. The reason I say that is I, I got to imagine that that gambling has got to be about as old as prostitution is. It's just that cavemen couldn't write down who won the arm wrestling matches. 
<laughs> yes. Um, but also, uh, early gambling was mostly games of chance. So think of throwing dice today or blind man's bluff or something. Yeah, drawing lots or things like that. Yeah, it was it was just a game of chance. And then uh, dice were have been around that we know of since before three hundred or before three thousand BCE, um, but they were not recorded as being used for gambling until 500 BCE, um, and this was in, by Sophocles in ancient Greece. Do you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm guessing you might not, but do you know, like, what amount of sides those dice had? They had six sides. Just the standard six-sided die? The, yeah. The D6 in the super nerd parlance? Yes, it was a D6. Um, I don't think the D20 came into popularity until the 20th century. Oh, at least they weren't four-sided dice, those little fucking caltrops. <laughs> Have you ever stepped on one? People no. People meme about stepping on Legos, but it's like a Lego times a hundred. Because it's literally just a little tiny plastic pyramid. Ow. Yeah. I hate Legos anyway. I hate stepping on Legos anyway. Yeah. No, that sounds terrible. Imagine if a Lego came to a point. Yeah. My poor feet. Anyway, uh, ancient Greeks and Romans actually loved gambling on everything. It was a really pro big problem. And uh, within the city of Rome itself, gambling was a punishable offense. And if you got caught enough times, you were sentenced to death via the Tarpeian Rock. I'm sorry, via the what? We've talked about this, the Tarpeian Rock. Uh, remind me. Where you get, you literally, if you do like a specific crime... You get thrown off of the top of a cliff. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we did that, like, in the lead-up to the show, but I don't remember ever discussing the exact phrase, Tarpeian Rock. Yeah, it's um, the most popular execution method in ancient Rome, <laughs> besides crucifixion. Oh, man. It was beautiful. It was, it was the, the records of it are really funny. Uh, if you ever get a chance to read them... Um, it's in Le Livy's History of the Roman Empire. I have to wonder if they had someone stationed at the bottom of the cliff just to clean up afterwards. Nope. Pile of bodies. <laughs> well, after a while, that becomes a cushion. <laughs> you usually die before you hit the ground because you're hitting the side of the cliff. Ah, so you Homer Simpson it. Exactly. Um... So, to avoid getting caught for gambling, Roman citizens would actually use chips uh, that equivocated to certain amounts of money to kind of circumvent the law enforcement of the time. So they could be like, no, we're not gambling for money. We know that's illegal. We're just gambling for these chips here and for the pride of the game. <laughs> a blind spot that law enforcement has decided to uphold for two millennia. When we think of gambling to get today, we often think of like card games and machines and stuff. Uh, playing cards didn't actually appear anywhere that we know of um, until 800, like the year 800 CE um, in China. Before then, they weren't really a thing. 
we don't know how they were used for gambling initially. They weren't there weren't fifty two cards like we're used to today. There are some theories that I think your little nerd heart would appreciate. <laughs> it was played like Magic the Gathering. Gotcha. Okay. Um, as far as I know, wasn't like wasn't like the earliest like card decks more like a tarot deck than the standard like fifty two deck we we now know. Sort of. Um, so in the very off the history of playing cards, uh, playing cards were often used as morality bits because they were used so often for gambling by the 1700s. So um, early playing cards didn't have numbers on them because not everybody was literate, um, but everyone could count. At least up to 10. Yeah, they could at least count up to 10. Uh, so when you see playing cards pre um pre-1800s, they don't have numbers on them, and they often have Bible verses on the back. So in that case, yeah, they're kind of like tarot cards. The tarot <laughs> decks have, I don't remember how many in them. 22. Uh, yeah, there's it, there was no standardization until the Bicycle Company, I don't think. I might yeah, wrong. no, it's, it's 1 through 21, and the full is either 0 or 22, depending on the deck. I play a lot of Persona, so I know what the tarot cards are. <laughs> yeah, I've never done a true tarot. I always do different variations. But anyway, um, the way that my source puts it says that um, some sig- quote some suggest that the cards are both uh, the game and the stake, like trading card games played by children. Where you're betting your cards against the other person's? Yeah. So, like, Magic the Gathering, or... Or the second season of Yu-Gi-Oh!, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, that was how playing cards originated, and then they were just super popular to use as soon as paper became cheaper. The earliest game that we still play today in casinos is um, called Two-Person Baccarat. I don't know what it is or how it works, but I do know that it's really more of an observer thing. Um, yeah, I don't know the rules to that one. Uh, the only, aside from like the kid games like like War or Go Fish or what have you, the only one I ever really learned how to play was poker, just regular like five card stud. I learned uh, blackjack, poker, both five card stud, and hold'em, and. That's it. Well, yeah, and, and Blackjack. I mean, Blackjack's not really that hard to grasp the rules of. Yeah, for sure. Fun fact, my grandma's the one who taught me how to play five-card stud. Really? Yeah, no, it's uh, my grandmother on my dad's side is the one who usually watched us after school. And mm-hmm. she had the advantage because she had a Nintendo, uh, which dates <laughs> how old I am. <laughs> uh, but occasionally when she was busy or like for certain whatever times, I don't recall like exact reasons, my mom's mom would watch us and, uh, mm-hmm. she did not have any sort of like video game system. So me and my yeah. brother sort of tuned out while we were there. Um, but one day she brought out a, uh, a deck of cards and me and my brother were playing go fish and we got bored with it and we're like do you know any games grandma 
and she broke out the poker chips and taught us five card stud. <laughs> that made me giggle. Okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yeah, the the baccarat game originated in 15th century France, and then speaking of blackjack, it um is credited with being with um originating in 17th century France. Um, the game called Viette, Viette Un, which is 21 in French. And, um, it migrated to the U.S. with immigrants, as they all do, as they all do. Um, and it's called Blackjack, uh, because in the 1930s for Vegas casinos to get people to come into the casino, they actually ran a, um, a betting special that, um, there was a 10 to 1 odds, 10, there were 10 to 1 odds that um, you would not get a blackjack in your hand. Eesh, that's so, that's some killer odds. Jeez. Yeah. I, I can see why it worked. So after that didn't, um, or after that ended, because it didn't last forever, um, the name stuck. It only lasted for like a few months. Gotcha. I mean, all I really know of blackjack was that if you have no house limits, you end up with a lot of money afterwards. Because that's sort of what happened in the the casino game that my dad had on Windows 95 when I was a kid. <laughs> Blackjack is my favorite. Like, if I ever went to a casino, I would probably play that one. And the slots, which we'll get to later. Um, the first, speaking of casinos, the first ones uh, that were ever recorded were recorded in Italy in 1638. Um, and they were established to get gambling off the streets during, car- during Carnival which is um, Fat Tuesday in Italy and other Latin countries. Um, It was established in Venice. And so since then, gambling houses and gambling houses and casinos have been a thing all over the world. (laughs) I I love that it started with the idea of let's keep our debauchery indoors for Fat Tuesday, which to, to people in America who might not be aware, that's Mardi Gras. That is the exact equivalent of fucking Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. But they don't do it the same way. Theirs is a bit more of a saint feast day, um, as opposed to let's just get drunk and throw beads at naked women. Um, a little bit more refinement, a little less boobs for beads. Exactly. America. Uh, roulette was established in Paris in 1796. I never understood how roulette works. It literally is just, from my understanding, if you land on the number that you bet on, you get money. Yeah, but then you can bet, like, all black or all white or, like, I I, I don't get it. I mean, is it is it that you get less if you bet on those? I, I imagine that's ha- that has to be what it is. Uh, well, we established that I've never even been to a casino, so. <laughs> yeah, I I have been, but I've just been on the slots. So, Scofflaws, if you have an idea of how roulette works, because I'm not going to waste our time by Googling it, uh, let us know and send us a Facebook message or an email when we tell you about it later. Anyway, back to poker. Um, Poker... The way we know of it today was first reported in New Orleans in 1829. Wow, that recent, huh? 
Yep, it actually didn't become popular even until the World Poker Tournaments started in the 1970s. Huh. We made this new game, but it's not really catching on. How do we make it popular? I know. Let's make a big, dumb competition over it and get people to join that way. Exactly. It actually has been rising in even more popularity um, since online gaming became a thing. I'm sure televising it also helped. Yes, it did. Especially when they started televising it so you could see their hand. That... I know there's a comedian who did a bit about this, like, I had to have seen it like a decade ago, so I'm saying that so it doesn't sound like I'm stealing their joke, but it makes you think you're really good at that game by seeing everyone else's hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, So the first slot machines were established in the 1890s, and they were just basically the 52 cards pasted to rolly wheels that you pull the lever and it turned the wheels. Um, in, the, <laughs> in, the, in the later 1890s, they refined it a little better and gave you exact like amounts that you won when you bet. So they had a... Um, they would paste the 52 cards on the rolly balls, um, or wheels, excuse me, the large wheels, that if you crank the lever, it would pull up whichever match that it would pull up and then... It wasn't so solid on the odds, though. So machines in the late 1890s actually were um, established to create a fixed like amount that you would win. And then just like you do in the bars today, you go to the bar and you get the money. Or they would give you candy or cigarettes. All right, so hold on. Is it... Was it a whole pack of cards per roller, or did they divide a pack of cards between three rollers? I think they divided um, a pack of cards for, between the three rollers. Okay, because I was going to say, if they made a roller big enough to fit 52 playing cards in it, that slot machine would be about the size of my first apartment. <laughs> that was a small first apartment. It, it wasn't an expensive apartment. A good way to put it. <laughs> um, so, talking about some of the crime with gambling, uh, the United States had a prohibition on gambling in the 1910s. Um, similar to the prohibition of alcohol, um, gambling was illegal, but also similar to the prohibition of alcohol, nobody fucking cared. <laughs> Literally, people were just lightly veiling the fact that they were gambling. <laughs> prohibition honestly never works right. It never does what the people who put it in place intended to do. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. Um, but it actually, the prohibition on gambling slowly ended in the 1930s with the Great Depression um, because people or people who were building casinos in Vegas and other places wanted to uh, give people a distraction from their poverty and give them a very slight chance that they would rise out of their poverty. Um, one of the common beliefs from a lot of people, especially people um, who are more are more on the Marxist or socialist or communist side of things, believe that um, gambling is and the lottery are... Uh, they specifically target 
people who are in poverty to continue the poverty cycle. We're not that kind of show, so we're not going to discuss that too hard, but that's, I think that's an important theory to touch on. Yeah, I know that that's a little bit out of our purview, but I mean, like, uh, like Alice and I discussed on the scams episode, playing on greed is, is one of the easiest things to do if you want to bilk someone out of any amount of money. Mm-hmm. For sure. Anyway, uh, to finish out the content portion of this episode, um, online gambling became a thing in 1994, which then exploded into a multi-billion dollar industry. And now virtual reality is starting to creep its way into the online gambling world. And I know we did cover some things that are a little bit more recent than we usually do, but because this was a timeline, I thought that that was an okay thing to do. Yeah, I, fair game. I mean, we're going through the breadth of gambling, so. Yeah, this doesn't touch on the petty gambling that would happen all over England and the rest of Europe and all over the world. Petty gambling has always been a thing, will always be a thing. Barter, or the way you would gamble for things in elementary school is still gambling and would have been illegal in the 1910s. Yeah, gambling, uh, like we said at the, the top of the episode, gambling is, a, is as old as anything else because as soon as language is created, you know there was one guy who was like, I bet you that I can beat you at arm wrestling for that piece of Mastodon steak. Oh, I wish I could time travel just to try Mastodon steak. I think you'd only have to go back to ancient Egypt. I mean, Mastodon <laughs> was more recent than people think it was. Oh, yeah, for sure. Plus, I think there's, I think there's some group of scientists. I think it's in, I think it's in California that are trying to clone a mastodon by, by really Jurassic parking it up and taking some bits of mastodon DNA they've scrambled together from like fossils and remnants and putting it into like, like, uh, elephant embryos. This just sounds like a very bad idea. But your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Uh, I've seen, like, the, the projected, like, artists imagining of what's going to happen. It looks like it looks like a woolly mammoth with male pattern baldness, because it's just a patchy elephant. <laughs> I, I just feel like that's a bad idea, and I think Jurassic Park will happen. <laughs> Uh, as long as we don't make it so they can flip genders, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, we want to thank Rory McDonald for this episode. Um, she suggested it to us as we were doing what we do every Sunday night and look at each other and say, what are we doing tomorrow? I don't know. <laughs> so she gave this um, idea to us. So we're going to give her a shout out on our Facebook page. And if you want a shout out on our Facebook page, send us a message on our Facebook, uh, Scuff Laws, a History and Crime and Disorder. Give us a like and a follow. Um, and send us a message. Um, respond to our topic Tuesday posts that we try to do every Tuesday. Um, and let us know what you want to hear about, because more than likely it'll end up in an episode. Yeah, and if any of you have deciphered the Gordian knot that is roulette, then email us at scofflawspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, because, like, Sean and I are too broke to go gambling, <laughs> so we rely on our listeners who probably have more money than we do. Yep, 
Yep. And since you since you probably do have more money than we do, uh, I would ask that you take a visit to our Patreon page, which is still looking for that first lucky donor. I we are, and I will uh, figure out a way to link that to our Facebook page one day. Life uh, finds a way. Um, but we'll be sharing more about it uh, because we want to keep providing you guys content and Sean and I need to be able to support our livelihoods. He's got a wife and a dog and a cat and I've got a dog and a boyfriend who eats a lot of food. So, <laughs> And uh, again, uh, as always, thank you all for, for tuning in and listening to us, John, about just the weirdest things that come across our minds. I like being able to have conversational history with you guys. It's great. <laughs> and for once, I am prepared with my silly law. I walk away um, for one week, and this is what happens. <laughs> uh, I, I, I passed over any ones that had to do with gambling, because why would I be on theme? Uh, <laughs> but this one stuck out to me uh, as a dumb law out of Tennessee. Uh-oh. It is a crime to share your Netflix password in Tennessee. That's a new one. Yeah, that's a newer one. Um, it's one of the ones that has the full text of the law here. And as I usually do, I'll read it off here. Uh, Texas Code Annotated Section 39-11-106A, amended by deleting Subdivision 35. Services including labor, skill, professional service, transportation, telephone, mail, gas, electricity, steam, water, cable television entertainment subscription services, or other public services, accommodations in hotels, restaurants, or elsewhere, admissions to exhibitions, use of vehicles or other movable property, and any other activity or product considered considered in the ordinary course of business to be a service, regardless of whether it is listed in this subdivision or a specific statute exists covering the same or civil, similar conduct. So I think what this is saying is that, yeah, you can't share your Netflix password with anyone, but you also can't, like, book a restaurant reservation for them or, like, like buy tickets for someone for a movie. That's okay. Or it looks like here, pay their gas bill. What the fuck, Tennessee? They must have had some problems with it. Or something. But anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening to us, Scoff Laws. Next week, we are going to be tackling the topic of an art heist. Yet to be determined which specific one, because there are so many. So um, keep a listen, and we will let you know, and yep. you'll find out. Yep. Once again, this has been the Scoff Laws, a history of law and disorder. My name is Sean. And my co-host, Kate, thank you for listening. Say bye, Kate. Bye, Kate. One of these days I'll figure out how to close our episodes. I swear. Sorry, I read the wrong note. We're going to scratch that and erase that bit. Um...